Welcome to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. Join us in person for worship each Sunday at 9.30 a.m. For more information about Covenant, including discipleship and mission opportunities, visit us at www.covenantpresjackson.org. In the beginning, God. Before time, before creation, before history, there was God, only God, no one else, nothing else, only the eternal, infinite, everlasting God who was, who is, who is to come. And this one eternal God created all things. He created the heavens and the earth. He created everything in them. It pleased him to create. He desired to create. And he created out of nothing. And God said. This is the refrain of our passage this morning. Over and over and over and over again. And God said. God spoke. He spoke creation into being. There was nothing. A void, a a deep, expansive emptiness, a wilderness of nothing, a vast chaos without order, without structure, covered by darkness and water. And God's voice broke the silence. And God said, God spoke into the void. God spoke into the chaos. Let there be light. And there was light out of nothing. Light at his voice. Light, light shining in the darkness. Light separating the darkness. Light from God, which created day and night. Time. God spoke it. He did not think it into existence. He did not wish it into existence. He did not emanate it into existence. God spoke, which means God creates through his word. And his word is power. His word is action. Our call to worship this morning was Psalm 29. This psalm describes the voice of the Lord, his word. Listen again to some lines from that prayer, some lines from that song. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. God's word is God in action, in power and might, majesty and glory. And God said, and creation came to be. There was nothing. God spoke and there was light, time, space, oceans, seas, Rivers, land, mountains, plants, trees, sun, moon, stars, 
fish, birds, animals. God spoke them into existence. They came to be through his word, his voice, out of nothing. And in six days. Down through the centuries, faithful followers of Jesus who believe in the authority of Scripture have disagreed over the meaning of one word in our passage. And that word is day. What exactly is meant by day? Is day a 24-hour period? Yes, it can be. But we must also remember that the one who created time is not bound by time. He is outside of time. The New Testament, in the New Testament, the book of 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 states this, With the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. So is day a thousand years? More? Is it a geological age? Or as some have attempted to compromise, is day a 24-hour period with an undetermined amount of time before the next 24-hour period? Or is day a literary device used to convey truth, but not time? Well, are you confused? Frustrated? Just want the bottom line? Well, could God create in six 24-hour days? Yes. Yes, he is God. Did he have to? No, he is God. But these differing viewpoints over time, over the meaning of day, should not divide us, separate us, cause us to break fellowship with one another, because here is what is clear. Here is what Genesis 1 proclaims unequivocally. God created out of nothing, through his word. And the six days offer a framework for creation. The earth was without form and void, and God said. The earth was without form and void, and God formed and God filled. The days are connected by God's act of forming and then filling. On day one, God spoke. God created light, formed light. And on day four, God spoke and God filled the light. God created the two great lights, the sun to rule the day, the moon to rule the night, and the stars. Form and fill. On day two, God spoke. God separated the waters. God created space. He created the heaven above and the waters below. On day five, God spoke. God filled the heavens and the seas with fish and sea creatures and birds. He formed and filled. On day three, God spoke. God created the earth. God formed land and vegetation, bushes, trees, and flowers. On day six, God spoke. God filled the earth with living creatures, livestock, beasts, creeping things. God formed and filled. And God said, God spoke, God created, 
He formed, he filled, and God saw that it was good. This is the second refrain of our passage over and over and over and over again. And God saw that it was good. Every day of creation, after God had formed, after God had filled, God saw that it was good. The Hebrew word for good can also mean beautiful. God's creation was good, beautiful. And every single part of God's good, beautiful creation sang out to him in delight, in praise. And every individual song, every individual note joined together in a majestic symphony of praise, a musical masterpiece of creation glorifying the one who spoke them into existence, pointing to the one whose voice brought them to be. This good, beautiful creation that you live in, dwell in, reveals the creator, points you to him. You've you've sensed it, felt it, experienced it. And perhaps for you, it was walking on a near empty beach, watching the sun emerge over the eastern horizon. Or maybe it was sitting on a mountaintop, soaking in a seemingly endless view around you. Or maybe it was staring up into the night sky, out of the city lights, awed by countless stars above you. Or maybe it was watching one of our amazing sunsets here in Mississippi where the deep reds mixed with orange and and pink and, and purple illuminating the clouds in the sky. And wherever you were experiencing the goodness, the beauty of creation, didn't your heart sleep for joy? Didn't your heart recognize that there is something greater than you, something greater than what you see, something greater than the beauty you see, something even more good, something even more beautiful? Weren't weren't you filled with the desire to join the song of creation happening all around you to, to glorify the one who spoke, the one who formed and filled? Well, this good creation, this beautiful creation reveals God. That is true. But it only gets you so far. The creation points to the creator, but it only reveals so much about the creator. It's limited. It's restricted. And here's how. The, the, the mountaintop view may lift your heart. The beauty may point you to something greater, but it won't tell you that you need to change your life. That mountaintop view won't, won't, won't ask you what's first in your heart, what the center of your life is. That mountaintop view won't tell you to love your enemies. Won't ask you if you've been faithful in your marriage. And that, that, that beach that welcomes the morning sun also endures the destructive winds and surge of hurricanes. The the sky full of a beautiful sunset or countless stars can also be filled with the devastating force of a tornado. 
Our family lived for 12 years in Western North Carolina. We spent a lot of time hiking there. And one of our favorite hikes did not take you up to the mountaintop, but it wound alongside the fork of a river. And we loved it because it was quiet, it was secluded, it had very little foot traffic. There were no sound of cars or jets or, or people. Last summer, we returned to that hike. And it was still lovely. But the year before, it had been hit by a devastating flood. The entire landscape had changed. The course of the river was altered. There was still debris wedged behind uh, rocks and boulders. Riverbank plants were still healing. Despite the, the flood, it remained beautiful. And our hearts rejoiced in it. But that rejoicing was tinged with sadness because the, the beauty was scarred, the beauty was marred, it had, it had changed. And I think, I think like that, there's, there's often an inescapable hint of sadness, a taste of sadness in the face of the good, in the face of the beautiful. And perhaps that's what you feel reading Genesis 1. God's creation is perfect. God's creation is good. God's creation is beautiful. Your, your heart is carried upward, but there's still a taste of sadness because something has changed since the dawn of creation. Creation Something has changed since God pronounced good. Something is not right, and you see it, and you feel it. Creation is scarred. It's marred. It groans. And the reason is sin. The power of sin unleashed at the fall when our first parents disobeyed God. This unleashed power affects and infects all of creation. Creation is no longer perfectly good. It's no longer perfectly beautiful. It's broken. It's scarred. It's marred. You may look around and say nature points to a mighty creator, a, a good creator. But someone else might look around and say nature points to a mighty destroyer. Creation's witness to God is scarred, it's marred, it's incomplete. You need more. You need the Word. Our New Testament reading from John's Gospel is about the Word. John begins his Gospel the same way that Genesis begins, in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's Genesis. In the beginning was the Word. That's John. Before creation, before time, before history, there was the Word. The Word through whom God created all things out of nothing. This Word was with God, separate from God, distinct from God. Yet John also tells us that the Word is God. The Word is God. The means by which God formed and filled in power and majesty is God, 100% God, one with God. And although we didn't read it as part of our passage from the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, verse 14, perhaps the most amazing sentence of all, in all of Scripture states this, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This eternal word who was with God, who created all things out of nothing in power, in majesty, who was God, entered 
what he created, became a man in Jesus Christ. And he did so so that you might know him. Because the Word, the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ, reveals God. The Word reveals God. Jesus reveals God perfectly, clearly. He is God's speech to you in person. So how do you know God? How do you know his heart? How do you know his character? How do you know his attributes? How do you know what he thinks of you? The word. Jesus. You must look to his life. You must look to his teaching. You must look to his miracles. But you especially must look to the cross. Because it's there, it's there in a suffering, dying Jesus that you clearly see God's heart for you. His love for you. And it's a selfless, sacrificial, willing to die love. Because that same, that same sin, that same power that scars creation, mars creation, has done the same to you, to your heart. Your heart is broken by sin. It doesn't glorify the one who created it. It's not full of the one who created it. It does not overflow with love. But the one whose word brought forth the sun, the moon, and the stars, whose, whose word formed the land and the seas, whose word filled them in power and might, that same word comes to you in power and might. That same word can enter your heart, recreate it, renew it, transform you, cleanse you of your sin, give you life and light. Jesus, the Word made flesh, God in action. Receive Him. He knocks at the door. Will you let Him enter? Will you let Him in? And when you do, when you do, when you let him abide, when you do, the Father declares you good, beautiful. He no longer sees you as broken, scarred, marred. The Father sees you as good and beautiful through the power of his word. Jesus. And if that is you, if that is you, you can now join the symphony of creation in thanksgiving and praise of the one eternal God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If that's you, live for him. Follow his way, his will, for it is perfect. And join all of creation in longing for his return. 
Thank you for tuning in to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. 